0: Thank you so much for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in five different locations, and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about Our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Ephesians chapter 4, and the title of my message today, if you're taking notes, is very simply this, the calling. Can y'all say that? the calling how many of y'all know that god has a great call on our lives and i want to unpack what that means today and uh, let me let me begin just by asking you all a question Uh, how many of you here would like to improve the quality of your relationship with god and with people in your lives. Everybody should hopefully raise, you've got your hands raised. Okay, if you don't have your hand raised, go ahead and raise it. Everybody wants that, right? Uh, if you don't want that, I can't imagine that, but um, maybe you're here. But I think the majority of us, we, we do want to improve the quality of our relationship with God and with, with people. And so today, we're going to look at four things from Ephesians 4. Four things, four things, everybody say four things. Four things that have the power to change everything in our relationship with God vertically and with people horizontally. Are y'all ready? You all ready to look at these four things? Well, let's pray first, and we're gonna get into the text and ask God to help us. Father, thank you. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the saints gathered. Thank you for, Lord, our time of worship our time of unity and oneness as we, as we lifted up our hearts and as we, as we sang songs to you. Lord, I felt such unity in this place this morning. So we thank you for that, God. Thank you for my friends here. I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds. I pray that, God, you would speak to us from your word, your inerrant, perfect, eternal word. Speak to your people today through this very imperfect vessel. And Lord, we ask you for help. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray these things now in Jesus' awesome name. And everyone sit. Amen. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. If you're ready, say ready. Here we go. Y'all are loud and proud today. Here we go. Paul says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all, say it with me, humility and what? gentleness with what patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is he says there is one body and one spirit just as you are called to to the one hope that belongs to your call one lord one faith one baptism one god and father of all who is over all and through all and in all Now, let me do just a little bit of review for those of you who may have missed last Sunday uh, or possibly the Sundays before. We've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers. And last Sunday, we looked at what Paul said about the the width, the length, the height, and the depth of the love and the power of God. Raise your hand if you were here for that message. Yeah, and and the, the conclusion of it was that we must try to wrap our heads and our hearts around who God is and what God's done. And how many of y'all know we can never fully do that? But the aim is to try to comprehend how big God is and all that God has done in the world. And in particular, in Ephesians chapter 3 and into 4, we, we get this, this sentiment from the Apostle Paul that like he is in awe of what God has done. And when he, when, when, he, when he talks about the width, the length, the height, and the depth of, of God and his power and his love, particularly that relates to the fact that God has brought, watch this, both Jews and Gentiles together into one house, into one family. Do y'all remember those messages when I preached about the Jews, the Gentiles, who they are, and, and, and what God did through Christ to bring them together? Well, that's the context. Paul has labored to show this, how, how God's love And his power are so great, no matter how far away you may feel, no matter how far away you are from God, how many of y'all know God's love can reach you wherever you are? And when you say, well, I've hit rock bottom, thank God that you serve the rock that's at the bottom, and his name is Jesus, and he's able to lift you, and to bless you, and to restore you. Can I get a better amen? Come on, we serve the rock, Jesus. And so... Paul's laboring to show this in, in this letter, in, in this miracle, if you will, of God bringing Jews and Gentiles together and the fact that, let's contemporize this, that God has brought all of us together into one house, black and white, rich and poor people from all different walks of life. Come on, y'all, we're here together today <laughs> worshiping and we got all kinds of differences, don't we? We have a few Alabama fans and I'm trying to get to another campus. Now I'm just teasing. Don't leave Alabama fans, the two of you. But but we're, we are different. There're about two of y'all. The Next Freedom Group. Do it again. One more time. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. But we're also different, aren't we? And I promise you, the Jews were very different from the Gentiles, and the Gentiles were very different from the Jews. And and Paul is laboring to show the miracle, if you will, of how God has brought very different groups of people together into one house, into one family, and it's by the blood of Jesus Christ who does it all. How many of y'all are thankful for Jesus who brings us together? Well, well, that's the context here. And in, in Ephesians 3, Paul calls this a mystery. Now, we we can use this word, it has kind of a different nuance depending upon the context. On on one hand, mystery can be like, whoa, that's a mystery, like, I don't know, it's mysterious and we'll never know. That's how that word is is often used today. But for Paul in Ephesians 3, a mystery involves something that was previously concealed that is now clearly and plainly revealed And the context here is that for, for earlier generations, they didn't get the full picture Of the plan of God to bring Jews and Gentiles together. But now, if there was any ambiguity, if there's any um, confusion, now God's plan is abundantly clear for anyone who wasn't in on the information that God has brought Jews and Gentiles together. And so here Paul is unpacking this mystery, showing us through the text what was previously concealed that is now revealed. And y'all, this is an amazing truth. As I was meditating on this passage, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. We can almost take this for granted that God has brought all different kinds of people together into one house. And how many of y'all know that's a beautiful truth? Everything I've said, those are beautiful truths, aren't they? Come on, aren't they? But Jew, Gentile together in one house, you and me, together in one house is beautiful on one hand but how many of y'all know can be well potentially problematic on the other hand what do you mean by that well just because you get saved and added to the church doesn't mean that all of a sudden like all of our preferences and opinions all of a sudden merge and become one how many of you know wherever you go you take you with you that's very deep right there and you take the good, don't you? The bad and the, the and the ugly. You take your opinions, right or wrong. You take your preferences. You take it all. You bring it all into the relationships, don't you? You did into your marriage. That's why some, never mind. I'm, I'll get back to that in a minute. Some marriages are in trouble because you haven't learned to work through those differences. But this is beautiful on one hand, problematic, at least potentially on the other. Because let's be honest, we're all very different, aren't we? And as I was thinking about this with respect to my own marriage, Kelly and I are very different. Very different. She's out of town today, so I, I'm going to get away with a lot. <laughs> um, we're, very, we're very different. We're alike in, in some respects, but let me give you a couple of examples just to make this personal. Like in the morning and especially in the afternoon as I go into the evening, I like the lights in our home to they like kind of come down. I don't want every light on in the house. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Let your light shine, but not in the early morning and not in the afternoon or in the evening, right? And, and like she likes I'm so glad she's not here. I'm going to get away with a lot Here it comes. She wants every light bulb, like the Fourth of July, the living room, briny, uh, shining like the brightness of the noonday. Can I get a witness for those of you who need help? Okay? And so I'll walk in a room, and it's super, it's super bright. And I'm like, "Why, why is it so? Br- I know why it's bright? She's like, you you know, because I I like it light. She'll walk in a room and be like, why is it so dark? After 19 years of being together, she still asks the question, why is it so dark? She knows the answer. (laughs) Y'all know when you do that stuff, you know the answer. I like it dim. She likes it bright. And it's been a source of conflict (laughs) at certain times, a little minor conflict going on. Let me me give you a better example. Um, When it comes to food, come on, Cajuns, lean in on this she loves pickles and mustard raise your hand okay your next step is to go to the youngsville campus (laughs) i'm just teasing don't you go anywhere (laughs) pastor david reel them back in listen i i can't stand pickles i hate mustard in my opinion both come straight from satan's refrigerator (laughs) can i get a witness is anybody with me look at all the godly hands being raised come on nick swear look at all the so much godliness spread across this place she likes to go to bed early nine o'clock those eyes she starts fluttering and listen at nine o'clock i'm ready to have a party and i won't never mind i'll leave that She's a planner. I like to figure out things kind of as I go, and I call it being led by the spirit. That's a euphemism for not being a planner. (laughs) All right, anybody with me? Come on, are are y'all got some differences? Yeah, all right. Well, uh, what what, what do we have in common? Well, we really love Jesus. Yeah. That's a good place to start, huh? And we really love good sushi. (laughs) Come on, the kingdom of God will advance with those two things, love for Jesus and love for sushi. And we're super into one another like she like is into i'm teasing we're into each other and we we do have a lot of differences but we we do have we have a lot in common but here here's the truth in all seriousness think about your marriage think about your relationships outside of here but even especially in here we are all very different in many ways and if we're not careful our differences can lead to ungodly divisions in our our lives. Does that make sense? Differences can lead to, they don't have to, but can lead to divisions. This is true in every relationship and that's why Paul addresses this topic of unity and he is so passionate about us walking in it. Listen to what he says once again in verse one. He says, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He said, "I therefore urge you." Now you've heard this said before. Whenever you see a therefore in the text, you have to ask the question and answer it. What's the therefore? Therefore, okay. In the Greek, the the term "oon." Say it with me. Go "oon." Do it again. "oon." Therefore, what's the "oon"? The therefore. Therefore. Well, Paul's saying, essentially, in light of everything I just shared, he wouldn't say chapters 1 through 3 because he didn't put a 1 and a 2, but in light of everything that was just shared in what we call chapters 1 through 3, Paul's saying, therefore, in light of all this that you're saints, you're called, you've been predestined, you've all been called to one body, one purpose, all, all that, he's saying, therefore, in light of that, I want you to walk, that is, live in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And he says, I urge, I mean, this isn't like, hey, if y'all don't mind, it's, I, my veins are about to come out, I I can feel it, Kim, (laughs) I urge you, it's like there's passion in it, I urge you, like, come on, church, I'm urging y'all, I'm encouraging, strongly encouraging y'all to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, and the question is, what is the calling? What is the calling what is the calling well the calling is that they were called everybody say called called before time began to be in relationship with christ are y'all there today most of y'all if you're not yet you will be by the grace of god we were called to be in relationship with christ and to be in watch this you can't divorce them in relationship with one another in the house of god and some people just want to be in relationship with the Lord and kind of do their own thing, but they don't, they don't want anything to do with the people of God because there are too many hypocrites up in the church, people will say. How many of y'all know? We can use one more. <laughs> We're all hypocritical in some sense. Not We don't walk that way, do we? But there's always a gap in some measure between what we know and what we should do, Okay. But he said, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You've been called, I've been called, we've been called to walk with Christ, to be in relationship with Christ. And watch this, we are also called to be in relationship with one another. And I promise you the devil is on the loose and his demons looking to deceive, looking to distract, and I promise you looking to divide. And let me just speak it over this campus and over our our church and over every church. What God has placed together, let no man separate. And I am am on a mission today because I promise you the devil is at work. And I'm sick and tired of watching Christians sit back and allow the devil to separate, to divide what God has brought together. I'm, I'm done. (laughs) like I'm like okay and Paul's helping me emotionally get into this to preach to y'all because some of y'all need to be done because you're allowing the devil and people who serve him to get up in your relationship to divide and separate what God's placed together and listen we have to be so super careful in this area in our church in our marriages in every relationship that we have can I get an amen because you know it's true they were called to live in a manner that well, showed honor to God and honor to the people that God had placed in their lives. That's our calling. Now, there's more to it, but that's the foundation. We're called to God. We're called to one another. We're called to, work, to, to walk in a manner that's worthy of that calling, meaning there is no incongruence. There's no disagreement. There's no division. There's, there's unity. There's agreement. There's oneness. And we have to fight, don't we? Husbands and wives, you have to fight for oneness. And that's not just a physical thing, that's an emotional thing. Because I've heard that the only thing worse than being divorced is living in the same home, being married and living and acting like you are. Same bed, different pages. Same church, different pages. To some extent, that's okay, but y'all, come on, we've got to be unified, and in verses two and three, Paul spells out what this means in terms of this walk in very simple, but it, really a very powerful way. Listen to what he says in verses two and three. We are to walk. Everybody say walk. Walk with all humility. And what? In gentleness. With what? With patience. with patience. Bearing with one another. In what? In love. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond, in the bond of peace wow just a couple of verses there will take you a long way if you walk this out first of all he says that we were called to walk in humility everybody say humility Humility. what is it well someone said humility is not everybody say not it's not thinking less of yourself but thinking about yourself less Does that make sense? It's not walking around going, I'm no good, I'm trash. No, if you're in Christ, you're a saint. You're the righteousness of God. You are not yet who you wanna be, but thank God you're not who you used to be. You're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're restored, you're made in the image of God. He's got a great purpose and plan for your life. Do you sin? Yes, but thank God you have a savior who delivers you and forgives you over and over. Are y'all thankful for that? So you don't talk down like that. You have to understand biblically who you are Yes, but who are you biblically? You're a saint. Come on, saints. It's not walking around thinking less about myself. uh, it's, It's thinking about my needs and my preferences, your needs and your preferences less, and preferring others over our own opinions and interests. Simply, right? Humility is the opposite of pride. What, let me ask you a question. What is in the middle of the word pride? P-R-I-D-E. What's in the middle? The P-R? The D-E? Who's in the middle? What's in the middle? I. You. I. Anytime you, you see pride manifest, you're going to see the P and the R, the D and the E, and you're going to see the I right up in the middle of the pride. It's I. I will. I want I must everybody say I whenever you sit down with someone and, and, and people don't always do this out of pride but if you hear too many eyes you know that there's also a p and r and a d and an e because we're all preoccupied by nature aren't we with ourselves the I in pride what is pride pride says here's my definition I know better and can do better because I am better That's the spirit of of pride. And and when we're proud, someone pointed this out, everyone knows it but us, it's like bad breath. I mean, typically, I mean, your breath has got to not stink but stank if you smell it on yourself. somebody just got a revelation, like that's true, that's true. But when you got bad breath, everybody else is like, oh, and you're like, what? Isn't that true? C.S. Lewis says this, according to Christian teachers, listen carefully. Lewis says, the essential vice, the utmost evil is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is a complete anti-God state of mind very true huh pride is a repellent and I love South Louisiana but I have a complaint And it's not just here but because I'm here let me complain the mosquitoes are like driving me nuts like that just like hell opened and they all flew out and they're in my yard Um, And how many of y'all know, I get just bit, I mean, I get covered in mosquito bites when I go outside. They love my skin. I don't know what's up with me, but they love me. And I I make the decision, do I put on off? Because how many of y'all know that stanks too? (laughs) Do I want to stank or do I want to be bit? Stank, bit, stank, bit. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to just stink. Cover myself in off, and that's designed to be a repellent to keep them off. How many of y'all know pride is that way as well? When you put on pride, you keep off and away the very people that God has placed in your life, if not physically, certainly emotionally. When you put pride on, you will keep the favor and the blessing of God off your life. Pride is a repellent. Listen to what James says, James 4, 6, but he, God gives more grace, therefore it says God opposes the who? This is strong, y'all. He opposes... The proud, but what does he do for the humble? He gives grace to the humble, meaning God works against us when we're proud. But if we're humble, here's an amazing thing God works for us. And so, the way we say it, if we go high, God will bring us low. If we go low, Before him, low before others, not preferring our own way over them, not bulldozing over other people. If we go low, God will raise us and bring us where? He will exalt us. That's the way of the kingdom. That's the way God has designed things to be. So maybe your marriage, maybe your relationships need major work. Not because you need to go to four conferences and read three more books and you need this session and that session. Maybe it could be, I'll let you be the judge. Maybe it could be as simple as you need to humble yourself, come down from your high horse and prefer your spouse, prefer other people in your life over you. And just know this, that by going low, God will lift you and not just you, but your marriage high. He will, I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my own marriage. We are to walk, everybody say walk. To walk in humility, to walk in humility, preferring others, preferring others. But Paul says too that we're too, number two, that we are called to walk in gentleness. Everybody say gentleness. Not in harshness or abrasiveness, but gentleness. And the Greek term here is praotes, which gentleness, praotes is a fruit of the Spirit, it's a fruit of God living in you. But as Harold Hauner, a New Testament scholar, says that gentleness is the opposite. Listen to this. It's so good. It's the opposite of self-assertion. It's the opposite of rudeness. It's the opposite of harshness. It suggests having one's, oh, this is big, one's emotions under control. That's good, isn't it? So it's it's not coming in too hot or too heavy. It means not being forceful or domineering. It means not using your emotions and your words to get your way. And how many of y'all know there's a time to be angry? Yes. The Bible's, Jesus was angry. It was righteous anger. So it's not that we're just like we sit back and we're passive all the time. No, being gentle means you are walking in a way that at the foundation rests in humility, knowing that you don't. We don't have to use our words or our, 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 our body language or anything else to force our way with a person. The best thing we can do is settle in this reality that we cannot change anyone. God changes the heart. God melted God is the one who changes us from the inside out and we have a front row seat to that process and we must be gentle with people as God has been gentle with us how many of y'all are thankful he doesn't treat you as your sins deserve so why are we treating other people as theirs do thank God he doesn't come down hard on us will there be a time when he does yes he disciplines us of course yes but how many of y'all know gentleness is, it's it's a posture and it's a perspective and it's so needed today. And I'm not thinking of any marriage in particular, but men, please hear me. Husbands, walk in gentleness. Speak gently to your wife. You say, well, she's not listening. <laughs> Even when you raise your voice, apparently she's not either. <laughs> right? And, The higher the voice, we think the bigger the impact, but just the opposite is true. Isn't that true? And it goes both ways too, ladies, wives. We live in a very harsh world. People are harsh with their words, harsh with their actions, harsh with their body language. But typically the weapon of choice is words. Words. Someone says, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Whoever said that has no idea what they're talking about. Amen? Amen. Words hurt. Words hurt. But thank God, words can also heal. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away what? Wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 15, for a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Did you get that? A gentle tongue, a gentle tongue trusts in the heart of God, in the character of God, in the power of God. change someone else so you're not coming in feeling like with your words you're gonna move that person like you're gonna change that person you're trusting God Almighty to do a work in them like he's done a work in you. He's working in all of us. How many of y'all know we've come a long way, but we got a long way to go. So let's walk in humility. Let's walk in gentleness. Let's speak kindly to one another. You don't have to be that smart or that gifted to make an impact in people's lives. Just show greatness and just show kindness and you will be a person of greatness, at least in God's eyes before him. Can we be that kind of people? I'm talking about walking. You say, people say, what's your calling? What are you called to do? And most people like me will preach. Yeah. Forget preaching, forget ministry, forget all this. My primary calling is to walk in close relationship with God and with people. And it is my job and my joy to kick the devil and his demons in every lie out of the relationships when he inserts himself in them and you must do the same and it's not engaging the devil like it's just simply walking as paul said that's how we remove him i'm devil we're not going to give you room we're not going to give the devil a foothold some of y'all open the door kick it shut no we're going to walk in humility Devil, you are filled with pride. We're going to be the op- if you don't know what to do, just be the opposite of what the devil is. He's filled with pride. Let's just be people of humility. Let's be people of gentleness. Let's be people who walk this way. Thirdly, we're almost done. Paul says that we. This is all connected. We are called to walk. Everybody say walk in patience. In patience. Have y'all ever prayed for patience and nothing happened? Like you're like I'm still impatient. That's God teaching you patience. You have to be patient for the prayer to be more patient. Don't you hate that? But I've written, um, we bring the best and the worst of ourselves to every relationship, don't we? Because as I said earlier, this is a big truth. You could write a whole book of philosophy about this. Wherever you go, you take you with you. We bring the best, the worst, our strengths, our weaknesses. You brought your... Treasure, and you brought your trouble to that marriage. (laughs) Didn't you? Some of y'all are afraid to say anything about the other. We do. And the older we get, come on, old people, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) The older you get, the harder it is to change. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It means if you have humility, you can be 90 and say, God, break my heart, change my life, and he will. But in the natural, the older you get, you know, we use the language, the more that, that that man or that woman is set in his or her ways. You heard that before? Use that. Habits and ways of thinking are like cement. They get, they get poured and then left to themselves. They get harder and harder till they solidify into what the Bible calls a stronghold. Now, thank God Jesus has a jackhammer. He could come and break up anything bad in your life. Come on, freedom. But it's the humility to recognize there are unhealthy, sinful ways that have have uh, hardened that have uh, formed in my life, and they have created. Let's go this way. A barrier emotionally between me and other people, and it's repenting. And we, we use unhealthy today, and that's such like okay, unhealthy. Let's call it what it is: pride and sinful thoughts are just that sin. I mean, today people redefine sin in so many ways, okay? Sin, according to 1 John, is lawlessness. Lawlessness, it's breaking God's law. When we think that way, we are rebelling against God, his nature, and who he's called us to be. And in that, out of that, we see pride, don't we? And if pride is the source, if pride is the root, then you see all kinds of ugly fruit out of that, don't you? Are y'all tracking? You know, when, you, when you're engaged, a lot of people, when they get engaged, they're fired up about the person they're gonna marry. Typically, if they're not, I say, hey, you should be married. You shouldn't get married if you're not fired up. But beforehand, typically, not always, but a person will, will minimize the other person's weaknesses and maximize their strengths. Mom, dad, this dude, like he's amazing or however old you are and whoever you talk to. This person's incredible. He's this, she's that. And you go on and you maximize the strengths, but what do you do? Minimize the weaknesses. And then what happens? You get married, you go on a honeymoon, and then you come back and you do the opposite. (laughs) Don't you? Some of you are afraid to agree. Then we maximize their weaknesses and minimize their strengths. We do it. and we see things in other people, oftentimes we are the angriest at things in people's lives that we have not confronted in our own. Guilty. Like harshness, sometimes, I'm always careful to not overstate my case. Sometimes harshness comes from a place in you, you're mad at yourself. You're feeling down on yourself. You're walking in false humility. You're mad. And that internal frustration you have inside, directed towards self, gets redirected toward other people. And if let's use the word unhealthy. That's unhealthy and that's sinful. And we all do it in varying degrees and in different seasons in our, of our lives. Harshness, pride, and the key here is impatience. We... Get impatient with people. Maybe today you're experiencing impatience with the person that God has called you to, your spouse. And you see that person's bad habits and sinful, let's call it sin. You see their sin and you're frustrated because you have a front row seat to all of it. And you're wondering when is this person, when is my wife, when is my husband? You know, when you're mad, it's this person. God, when is this praise? like, that's your husband, that's your wife. When are they gonna change? And remember this, I promise you, somebody's also asking the same question about you. My name is Pastor Scott, and I came up here today to be further away from you, so I don't wanna, <laughs> somebody thought this was arbitrary, no, 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 no. I'm your friend. Does this make sense? So we get impatient with the people we love when they don't change. And in some cases, we jump ship. We come up with another plan. Oh, this wasn't the will of the Lord for us to be together. If you're married, if you think it wasn't before, it is now. Because this is what you're called to. Now, Jesus gives a way out for certain things. That aside, I'm talking about the differences that we face, the differences in our relationships, the things that can, small things, small foxes that destroy the whole vineyard. What's the remedy? Well, according to Paul, there's an original meaning. There are many points of application. It's this. We need patience, don't we? For the process of change in our own lives. So... I'm trying to stick to time here. Some of y'all have been so hard on yourselves, and you're so discouraged because of your own failings. I understand. I can pick myself apart until there's nothing left. That—that's my flesh pattern. If I go there, anybody else? How do I battle that? Ephesians chapter one, knowing that God called me before I had done anything good or bad before I was born. He elected me and he selected me knowing in advance all the horrible things about me and there's nothing I could do to keep him from loving me. So if the God of all creation loves me and affirms me and has a great godly kingdom centered purpose for me, who am I to talk down on myself and to stay down? I go down, you'll go down, but don't stay down. We are the saints of God and he's not done with us yet. He's not done with me yet. My wife would say for where, amen. But see, you lose heart and you lose focus so easily. I know I do. We need patience for the process in our own lives. We need patience for the process of change in other people's lives. And I I love this. This passage, I could preach literally a series on this one verse. And you believe me. John 13, 1. John tells us that Jesus is getting ready to depart to go out of the world to the Father. Listen to this carefully. We're almost there. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the That's powerful. You know how many times I've stood on that verse? Jesus walked with them. Some walked away from him, but he walked with them, through all the obstacles, through all the sin, through all the setbacks. Through all the unbelief, he walked with them to the very end. May we get that spirit in us and on us to be that committed, knowing the nature of our calling, that when God calls us together, when God calls you to marry someone, I'm not addressing your past, forget the past, I'm talking about right now. God, You have loved me, me. You have always loved Scott Adams. I can't figure out why. I mean, in light of his perfection and my imperfection, but Lord, I'm not going to figure that out. I I, I can't. I'm just going to receive that. Would y'all receive that? He just loves you. And in J.I. Packer's book, everybody should read this book, Knowing God. Third chapter, next to last paragraph, J.I. Packer says this. God's love to you is utterly realistic. Utterly realistic. Based on his prior knowledge of the worst about you. So that no discovery now, no new discovery can disillusion him about you the way that you are often disillusioned about yourself and quench his determination to bless you. In other words, God's love for you is realistic. It's not idealistic. It's not based on what could be or who they should be. It's based on who you are. And God loves us, Ephesians says, with an eternal love. He's called us with an eternal calling. Here we are called to him and called to one another. So we should walk in a way that reflects the love that God's shown to us to one another. So if you love me to the end, before it began, but all the way through to the end, into heaven itself and through all eternity, shouldn't we be the kind of people with that perdurable, ongoing, unbreakable, and shakable love? Shouldn't we be that way? Sorry for the spit. Shouldn't we be that committed? Is Jesus committed to you? My God, then we should be committed to him and to the people he's placed in our lives. How far should we walk with one another? All the way to the end. Do you wanna be like Jesus? We say that, that then you go home and all the lights are on. <laughs> and Kelly puts pickles on my sandwich. Woman, <laughs> I've never said that, she would kill. If I ever said woman, I'd be a dead man. How far should we walk? Answer? To the very end. Why? Listen. Because this is our calling. This is what we're called to. Husbands, wives, grab, grab, grab one another's hands right now. If you're single, you can just, if you want to be married, just pretend. <laughs> He's coming, y'all. She's coming. Grab her hand. hand. What God has placed together, let no man separate. Body of believers here, you don't have to hold hands. That'd be weird. (laughs) What God has placed together, let no man separate. When he joins you in a small group, when he places you in a church, it's so easy to get distracted and wonder, and we've all done it. What God has placed together, let no man separate. We must fight for unity. We must fight for oneness, which leads us to the fourth and final point that'll take two minutes. Paul says that we are to bear with one another in love. Would y'all do that? Would y'all with me do that with one another? Two of y'all, will y'all do that? Okay, there you are. There, I know you're with me. And be eager to main the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, because Paul says this in verses four through six, there is one body. Everybody say one body. one body. And one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Isn't that amazing? We are are, we are one. Now let's go and let's live like it. We're unified, we're the body of Christ. And as we walk in unity, I see this so clearly. Let me give you some vision. When we walk in unity, loving one another, preferring one another, walking humbly, gently, patiently, bearing with one another in love, being eager to maintain the bond of the unity and the spirit of the bond of peace. When we do that, that becomes a billboard for the community, for the world of the love and the power of God. And people will see our love for one another. And by that love and that unity, they will know that we belong to Jesus. That's the greatest sign in the wonder. Look at how they love one another. Oh, they disagree with one another, but they really, really love one another. So when I go home, um, Kelly will come back later this afternoon, and this is gonna kill me, but I'm gonna have every light in the house on. <laughs> I'm not, that's a lie. <laughs> Today, we're gonna to end, we're gonna conclude by taking communion together as an act of our oneness. Y'all, y'all feel some oneness today? Did that help anybody, that message help y'all today?